Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, today's text is, is apt, actually, from uh, James's epistle uh, for baptism. And I want to say a warm welcome to our friend, uh, Molly Dale Smith, the Reverend Dr. Ro- uh, Molly uh, Smith, for uh, being here to baptize her granddaughter, uh, Sonny, who's one of our own. Um, and this morning, the parents and godparents will confess what we all confess in baptism, is that uh, it is not from within us, but it's help coming from the outside uh, by faith that we are made alive in Jesus Christ. And so if you were paying attention in the reading, and if you've hung around Calvary St. George's long enough, uh, James's epistle might have been enough to make you break out in hives. Not because it was read poorly, thank you so much, Martha, it was actually read wonderfully, but it was the content, actually, uh, set in contradistinction to perhaps uh, things that we stress around here, uh, that is, that faith alone saves. And if you were here last year during our season of, of stewardship, and we were kicking off uh, the celebration of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, um, I don't have any tattoos, but if I had it, I might put those phrases on my body, uh, sola fide being one of them, faith alone. Now, we're not balking at that. We're not changing our mind. We're not... Um, um, turning around and saying, oh, it's faith plus works. It's still faith alone. And yet we have this word from James, and it needs to be uh, unpacked this morning. So let me read this again, and maybe your hives will bubble back up. James says, so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. He doesn't mince his words, does he? And I think that Scripture, when taken in the wrong hands, taken in Um, well, anyone's hands who doesn't know that it points ultimately to Jesus and his saving faith, his saving grace, that is, uh, we can make Scripture say whatever we want it to say. And I think that throughout Christian history, and you've seen an introduction of it here uh, in the early church where um, there's a debate. Is it faith or is it works? Is it faith uh, over against works? Is it faith and works? Uh, There's a lot going on here. And the debate is stemmed because the Christian faith throughout the last 2,000 years has put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, if you get my drift. We've emphasized the wrong syllables in the Bible. We've put um, stress on parts that Scripture itself doesn't stress as much. It's as if, you know, listening to to the hymns this morning or or to the offertory just in a moment, that you were to pick out just the harmony, you know, the structure underneath, but not the melody. The point is the melody. You should leave whistling the melody, and the harmony is there to support it and give it structure. It's not there to be the main star. And so throughout the Bible, you can find pieces. You can find pieces and put them together and say what you want to say, but the truth is the melody is still there, despite what you might have picked out. In the early church, there was a guy named Irenaeus. And this is nerd city, right? Like, I'm getting in the weeds. But Irenaeus uh, was, was an early saint in the second century, and he, he, he described this uh, situation where the heretics are really good at reading their Bibles. They're really good at finding things to support their position. He says, I want you to imagine Scripture as a mosaic, with all the tiles and all the pieces being arranged in such a way that they point to a king. They, they, they um, depict a king. Well, the heretics do it in such a way where they've got all the tiles, but it creates a dog or a fox, not the visage of a king. You get what I'm saying? You can take Scripture and do what you want with it. You know the story of the guy who was flipping through the Bible. He really wanted a word from the Lord, and he landed on a page randomly, and it said, and Judas hung himself. And he said, that can't be right. So he flipped further. He put his finger on the next one. Go and do likewise. Well, the point being here is that you can't just 
find what you want in Scripture. There is an overarching uh, leitmotif, uh, a melody, if you will. There is something there to be had, and we need to emphasize that melody, put the emphasis on the right syllable. I won't describe uh, the name of the church or say, but uh, in my hometown, uh, there's a church that did this. They stressed the wrong message from, from Christianity and from the Bible, and they put bumper stickers on the back of their car to kind of show people what their church was about. And the bumper sticker says, be nice. Be nice. It's kind of like that coexist sticker. It kind of makes you just, I want to puke a little. It's true as it is. It's all true. We should be nice, and we should coexist, but that is not what the Christian faith is here to proclaim. Uh, you can go just about anywhere else and get that message. And if you're being honest with yourself, you know that message. Just from your own heart, you know you're supposed to be nice. You know you're supposed to coexist. That is, but the, Christianity has a lot more to say than that. And so we've been debating, is it faith? Is it works? Is it both? What is it? We've emphasized the wrong parts, I think, throughout history at times. And I think a great illustration of this is on, uh, I don't know where you've been if you haven't seen this movie, but Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, go watch it tonight if you haven't seen it. Where have you been? But the fiddle on the roof, the scene where uh, Tevye is, is he's wondering, does his wife love him? And he's singing, do you love me? Do you love me? And the response is, do I love you? For 25 years, I have washed your clothes. I've cooked for you. I've cleaned for you. I've made your meals. I've given you children. I've milked your cows. Why are we talking about love now? But her answer is that typical answer that you and I give. Well, of course I love you. I did this, 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 and this. It's pointing to our works. It's pointing to our works. And Tavia didn't want that. You know, he wanted warmth. He wanted, um, maybe his love language was words of affirmation. Maybe it was physical touch. I don't know. But he wanted more than just the, the, the service. But they really are flip sides of the same coin, these two. Because even though her response was rooted in works, he really wanted works too. He wanted her to show her love in a certain way, to prove her love. All right, let's get back to James. But I do think that's a snapshot of the way Christians think. We think, well, look what I've done. Look how much Bible reading I've done. Look how much good work I've done out in the world. Look how much I pray. Look how much I serve my neighbor. And if you're reading James, you might, you might just glean that message. But I don't think that is what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying. So here, let me read it once, once again. So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And putting it in context, James is responding to a misreading of St. Paul. You know, Paul in Galatians says, yet we know that no person is saved by works of the law, but they are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and only that, but through that. So, so Paul has already made it clear. The life and death of Jesus has made it clear. It's, it's the work of God, not our work that saves us. It's faith in that work that saves us. So why is James putting it so strongly? Well, if you were reading, you see how people were being mistreated in that church, in that congregation there in Jerusalem. The rich people were being favored. The people of means and wealth were being uh, set in the proper seats so they could see the service and hear everything. And the people with less means and the people with less notoriety and less uh, uh, standing in society were put on, on the edges. And so James is saying, look, this is not consistent with the way uh, our Savior is. This is not consistent with what God himself in Jesus Christ did, which he went to the least and the lost, not the winners. He went to the losers. He comes to, to me and you, if I'm being frank, no offense, but uh, we're losers in God's economy. We are losers. We are not the winners, despite what we may look like on this, this earthly side of it all. God comes to us, the least of these. And so James is correcting a misreading of Paul, which Paul went about saying that faith alone saves, grace of Christ saves alone. 
So the misreading of Paul was, well, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I treat anyone else because God's for me. God, God loves me. And that's true. But that does not give us license to, to be jerks. It does not give us license to go against being nice. It does not give us license to favor some over others. And Paul says as much too in Romans. He says, should I sin all the more that grace should abound? By no means. He's very clear himself. And yet his disciples, some of his disciples, didn't pick that message up. So James is here to give a corrective. So when you read this, understand that. Understand that. And yet it still stands. Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And when I read this, it not only makes me break out in hives, but it makes me kind of worry about myself. It makes me worry if I'm doing enough. Even though I'm a professional Christian, <laughs> I'm a professional clergyman, uh, I still wonder, am I doing enough? Have I done enough? This word, as all words of Scripture, does two things, if, it's, if you're listening properly. It afflicts the comfortable, and it comforts the afflicted. Did you hear what I said? It afflicts the comfortable, and it comforts the afflicted. And so, friends, if I find myself, or if you find yourself, or we as this congregation, Calvary St. George's, find ourselves going against God's will, going against what he did to save the least and the lost, and favoring the ones that we want to favor, and putting ourselves in the proper places, and putting ourselves first, we should be afflicted. We've become too comfortable. We've trusted in ourselves and our works and not in Jesus. It should drive us to our knees. It should put us in a place like the Syrophoenician woman in our gospel who begged, begged for mercy. And there, when you find yourself on your knees, Jesus is sure to meet you there. He's well acquainted with that place, for on the night in which he was betrayed, he was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying and begging. And right before that, he was on his knees washing his disciples' feet. It's a place he knows well. So when you find yourself there and you're wondering, am I okay, Lord? Am I saved? Am I loved? Am I justified? Am I forgiven? Will you show me mercy? You bet. His property is always to have mercy. Always. And James brings that out himself. And even though he says these strong words about faith and works, and again, take it in context, he also majors on the majors and minors on the minors. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment. That is, we need law and we need gospel. We need the honest, bare truth, and yet we need a savior too. And the gospel is always the last word. The law comes and it afflicts the comfortable, but the gospel comes and lifts you up and comforts you in your affliction. So when you're on your knees, trust that Jesus will meet you there. So I want to stand behind what we said a year ago from this pulpit, that it is faith alone that saves you. It is faith in Jesus, and it is his works, not ours, that is the ultimate agent. It is his, not ours, that is the lead role. We are just the supporting actors. And I want to share just a moment with you what we had yesterday going on out on Long Island. We had a staff and vestry retreat, and some of you, I'm looking around, were there. But it was actually a very life-giving time. Um, we, we sat aside time to, to pray together and to read Scripture together and to report to one another what we're planning for this year. And what came out of that meeting uh, overwhelmingly was, what does it mean to serve? What does it mean for a staff and clergy and a vestry and for the whole congregation to serve? Well, sometimes we put it in the wrong context and we say, well, we're serving the Lord. Well, that's true as far as it goes. But it so happens that God doesn't need our service. If you remember in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. 
He doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does, though. And so when we serve, we're serving our neighbor, but even more so, and hear this, even more so, it is not we who serve, but Christ serving in and through us, so that when we are on our knees and being charged by His mercy and His forgiveness, that can overflow to our neighbor. So it is faith alone, and works overflow from that. Jacob was here not too long ago, just this year, preaching about the good fruit that comes from the tree. And rest assured, good fruit has come from you if you have faith. It it has. You don't see it. The Puritans were bad at that. They used their works as a mirror. And that mirror is distorted because when you hold that mirror up, you see nothing but blemishes. You see nothing but distortion. You see nothing but failure. So your works are not a faithful uh, mirror, but Christ's word is. And he says, you are forgiven. You are righteous. You are loved. You are accepted in me. So I want to major on that, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And despite that hard word that does afflict us, mercy always comes. We prayed it this morning. I want to read once more our collect. Resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. We boast in his mercy, not in our works. And our faith is dead if it's without works. And yet, guess who specializes in raising the dead? Jesus Christ. So maybe your faith is dying, maybe it's dead, maybe it's on life support. But Christ, His grace is sufficient to raise that faith up and to bring forth good works as He sees fit. So it is better to have a faith on life support than to have a robust resume of works. Because as James says, you have to keep the whole law or else it condemns you. You have to keep every word or else it condemns you. So I'd rather rest on my small little mustard seed size of faith than any works that I might pretend that I have. And getting back to the theme of putting the emphasis right back on the right syllable, I think that this will help. Is if we see Christ, as I said from our vestry and staff meeting, working through us and in us and despite us, and he's the lead role. And these will be my closing thoughts. When I was in college, I came across this band called Cool Hand Luke, and you know me, I love song lyrics, but I want to read a few uh, to you from this, from this song. It's called Cinematic. It says, I want to live in such a way that when I'm gone, my friends would say that if my life was turned to film, I'd be standing on a mountain shouting victory in the end. But in my heart, I know it's only true if I'm supporting actor and the Oscar goes to you. And he closes with this. He's kind of wrapping up the song. He's he's contemplating what it might look like to have a motion picture of his own life and what that might look like. And he says, he's talking to God. He says, I don't want to let you down. I want to make you proud. If anyone is watching me, I want to make it count for something. What if it ended here? What if the credits rolled now? What would the critics say? Would it be the biggest letdown? And he closes with this, and this is where I'll close. If my life was cinematic, with a soundtrack so dramatic, you'd be the hero and you would save me. And that would be the sweetest ending. So friends, if your life is a motion picture, if it's a film, you're merely the supporting actor. You're the extra maybe even. And there's good news in that because Christ who is our savior and our hero has done his work and we have but just to have faith in that. And when you're on your knees, whether it be now in a few minutes when we confess our sins or in the quiet of your home or just in your own heart, rest assured, 
that that hero has saved you and that his mercy triumphs over any judgment that you feel right now or ever. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.